Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics. Welcome to this week's edition of RCP Poll Position, where we talk to polling experts from around the country about the latest uh, 2024 news and beyond. I'm happy to be joined today by Mike Boshin. He is a principal at GBAO. It's a Democratic polling firm, and they are uh, partners in polling for The Wall Street Journal. Uh, Mike, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tom. Okay, so let's talk about Joe Biden and and his numbers right now. There's been a lot of commentary about where he stands in the polls, and you know we we aggregate this commentary all the time from left, right, and there's a there seems to be a strain of thought um, among some folks on the Democratic side that you know Biden's numbers are in really bad shape. He needs to improve them, and then there's there's another strain of thought that. You know, he's he's much stronger than he looks uh, based off of, you know, what happened in 2022 and the like. Where do you come down on that? How, when you look into the internals of Joe Biden's polling data, what do you see and, and where do you think he stands right now? Uh, I mean, certainly his job approval and favorability numbers are not where we would want it as Democrats. Um, by historical standards, being at or slightly below 40 percent approval um, is, you know, relatively weak um, for for presidential uh, incumbent. So I think his standing is not is not where it wants to be. And the and the head head to head with Trump, he, you know, seems to be somewhere between tied or down a few points, um, which is a challenge because typically in this era, Democrats have to win by more than one or two points to be successful with the Electoral College. So I think there's uh, room for growth. Uh, and I think he will need to see improvement to be uh, victorious here. The thing I think that's interesting is a lot of the areas where he's falling short of where he succeeded in 2020 are groups that are pretty democratic. Younger voters, he's doing actually pretty well with senior citizens, but younger voters, black voters, Latino voters, Asian voters, he's not at the levels that he was at. So I think the good news is is it's a coalition he can he can win and put that back together, but it's not where it needs to be right now. Well, I was going to ask you about that cuz we've we've seen some of this movement uh in, in some of these other polls suggesting that, you know, either Trump is doing better with some of these groups or, or Biden's not doing as well. Um, you know, how how much movement have you seen there and, and are they migrating to Trump or are they just kind of giving an indication that they may just sit this one out? Yeah. So um, so some of the polls are probably a little overstated. There's a lot of challenges that we face in polling and I won't get into the weeds on all of that. But I think there's clear evidence that Biden's numbers are not as strong um, with some of those core groups. I don't see any evidence uh, with those groups or really with anybody that Trump's numbers have improved. Trump's favorability has basically been underwater in every poll dating back to 2016. The key difference between 2020 and 2024 is that Biden was relatively popular in 2020 and he has now fallen pretty considerably and is at a, a level that Trump has been at for you know eight years. Uh, Biden just got the endorsement of uh, the the auto workers union the other day, and that's obviously when you think about sort of core Democratic constituencies, at least ex- historically, union households, sort of blue collar workers, and you think about where this race is going to be decided in places like Wisconsin and Michigan, Pennsylvania. Um, how is he faring with those voters? Because there seems like there has been that's been one of the shifts that have taken place over the last uh, couple of cycles that that a lot of 
sort of blue collar uh, working class voters have migrated to the Republican Party. Yeah. And so I think, first of all, in 2020, he sort of stemmed the bleeding that Democrats were having with blue collar voters generally. Um, The question is whether he can actually improve upon it a little bit, not return to the Democratic numbers of the 1990s, but get better. Um, I think there's some there is some positive evidence here that he is having some improvements with some of those audiences. Um, But it's going to have to be more than that to make up if he's going to have some losses with with black voters, Latino voters and young voters. Um, I think that the economic keeping a close track on the polling on the economic data and financial data is going to be very interesting. There's obviously a massive disconnect between what we see in in actual economic numbers and voters' opinions of the economy and finances. You know, there was an article out the other day that said the United States has had the best recovery of any country in the world from the economic uh, decline that occurred in the wake of COVID. Um, and, you know, you see that. You see uh, people's 401k accounts are at the highest they have ever been at in in history. You see in real real wages are actually up, but voters aren't feeling it as much as you would see. Yes, there are improvements when you look at things like the consumer confidence index, but we're still at relatively low levels. So I think that's going to be a really key thing. Um, is Biden able to uh, really come across and be the voice of working people as people have, you know, struggled with inflation and other issues in the last couple of years. It's such a fascinating thing. It's been a big topic of discussion, this idea between the, you know, economic reality, economic perception, because clearly when you look at the data, I mean, as you mentioned, voters think the economy is, you know, horrible. Uh, they might even think it's getting better, but still think it's bad. What what, what do you think is driving that? Um, what is this disconnect? And, and how does Biden go about bridging that? Because I know, you know, just coming out and saying the economy is great, the economy is great, doesn't always help. In fact, sometimes it's counterproductive because it makes you look like you're disconnected from what average folks are are feeling at the kitchen table. Yeah, timing is everything. Um, uh, George H.W. Bush lost re-election based on the economy in an economy that was actually recovering that we found out uh, the next year. Timing is everything. I think there's a couple, I have a couple of theories here um, and it's hard to measure them. We probably won't know for some months. The first is that it just takes time for people to get used to the price increases that occurred a couple of years back, right? So, it, you know, it, if the price of, of uh, eggs is whatever, $2.40 in 10 years, nobody's gonna think that's a high number. But in 10 months, what do they think? And I think that's sort of the question that we're facing is, is there's some evidence, I think, that over time people get used to it and they realize, okay, we haven't had high inflation. It was a couple of years ago. Question is, how soon do they do they notice that and feel it? So I think that's one piece. The other theory I have um, here is that when people say, you know, I feel like my wage increases have gotten eaten up by inflation. I wonder if that if we feel like when we get a wage increase that we earned it, right? But when inflation happens, that was something done to us. So if my wages went up at half of what I what I got went to paying for higher prices, do we feel like we kind of got, you know, something was taken from us that we earned? I, I, that may be part of it. But I think this is going to be a key. Um, you see some areas where Biden is sort of shifting the discussion. We'll see in the State of the Union. Um, one of the unusual and historic things of this election is it's not really just an incumbent. It's two incumbents essentially running against one another. And so Biden is obviously looks like he's going to be trying to point to some of the differences and what he wants to do and has tried to do economically versus Trump pointing to Trump's basic accomplishments and focus being tax cuts for 
the wealthy and large corporations. We'll see how that works out. Another hot topic right now, uh, Mike, is immigration. There's a deal that's kind of sort of work its way through Congress. Maybe, maybe not. Um, looks like it m- might not happen at this point. But, but clearly that is an issue that uh, is part of the mix right now. We'll see where it, where it lands, you know, 10 months from now. Um, but w- when you look at the data, what are you seeing on, on Biden's numbers on immigration? And, and do you think that's something that, that he will be able to, to turn around? Or is that just an issue that, you know, really Republicans only care about? And, and you know, it's, it's not as big of an issue uh, with Democrats and, and maybe even independents as they look at the other issues in play, like the economy, like inflation. So immigration, it's varied. I mean, we, we've had consistency that Republicans have cared a lot about immigration and Republicans have often tried to make it an issue to motivate their base. But we're at a moment now and we've been at a few of these moments where independents also rank it as a very high uh, issue for them. And, and in some places where we've seen a lot of migrants going in New York and some of the places like that, <clears throat> we're seeing Democrats who, who are concerned about it as well. So um, where this issue is in November, I think, remains to be seen, but it is a broad a topic of broad interest. You know, one of the things that we started trying to figure out in polling, because I think a lot of people were wondering why in 2022, when you would ask voters what the top issue was, and you could ask it five different ways, they would say inflation, abortion, which ended up being a pretty big issue in the election, was low, fairly low on that list. I mean, it was higher, high by historical standards post-Dobbs, but it wasn't all that high. So we've started to ask questions, one of which we did in the Wall Street Journal, we've done elsewhere, where we not we ask not only what issue do you want to hear from the voters on or what's the top issue in your vote, but we have another question where we've essentially tried to get at, is there an, is there an issue that is dispositive for you? Not We don't use the word dispositive with, with a, a poll, but we basically say, is there an issue where if a candidate had a different position from you, you feel so strongly that you wouldn't vote for that candidate? And what I'm seeing on that is abortion and immigration are very, very high on that list. I mean, it's hard to like have a different position than a candidate on inflation. Everyone wants to lower inflation, but immigration and abortion, abortion flies to the top of that list. And immigration is is also right near abortion on that on that. So I think at the moment, the signs are that it's going to be an important issue. Um, how this plays out, if Republicans don't agree to a deal and Democrats are on board with it, I mean, that'll be interesting to see if the voters can understand that and view it, I think, the way that Democrats would hope to explain it to voters, which is we were there for a deal. Republicans were told by Donald Trump, don't take a deal. I'd rather have a campaign issue. Just one follow up on that. It, abortion and immigration, is that it's high? Abortion's high on the Democratic uh, list and immigration's high on the Republicans list. Or is, is abortion also high on the Republicans' list? It's much higher on the Democrats' list. Uh, and I think that is a post-Dobbs phenomenon. Um, Pre-Dobbs, I think you would have found more Republicans saying that abortion was a dispositive issue for them. Post-Dobbs, it's very much more heavily Democrats and independents who lean Democratic. So that leads me to my next question, which is another group. And this is where you know Trump has lost a lot of ground over the last uh, couple of cycles, and that's the suburban vote, particularly among women. And I think Dobbs was a part of that, particularly in some of these battleground states and counties, you know, suburbs of Atlanta and Philly and Phoenix and Milwaukee. Um, what That's a vote Republicans want, hope to recapture. Is that a vote, though, that, that is gone for them now? Will they be able to, to win any of those voters back? Or uh, do Democrats feel pretty confident that 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 voting group is is solidly in their column. 
I would say it's very, very much in play. Um, Obviously, there are some longer historical trends, but if you take the suburbs of Milwaukee, for example, historically extremely Republican, still pretty Republican, if you look at what are called the wow counties outside of Milwaukee, um, they're still Republican, but they've moved very heavily Democratic. A lot of this is going to depend what they're voting on. If they are voting on the Republican policies on abortion, Democrats are going to do quite well. If they are voting on economic issues and the economy, voters' perceptions of the economy hasn't changed, then Republicans have a chance to do well. So I, I think those areas are up for grabs. There are some historical trends moving them towards Democrats that you know are, are hard to change. Um, but I think the variety, the, the variance on how well each party does in, in those suburbs and with those suburb women is going to be uh, it's at play and very crucial to who wins this election. All right. La- last question is about turnout. Obviously, this is one of the things that both campaigns are, are heavily focused on in many ways. It's the name of the game. Right. Especially, again, in, in these big six states where this election is going to be decided. Can you find your voters? Can you turn them out? How do pollsters um, when you're putting together your screen for voters, how do you, how are you judging uh, which voters are most likely to vote? I know I get this question all the time from people. Um, some people use a scale. I mean, how are you doing it there? And, and what do you see as the, as the, as the biggest indicators of people, um, their, their enthusiasm, their willingness to go turn out on election day? Yeah. So obviously this is the hard, one of the hardest parts of polling and campaigns is we don't know who's going to vote until after they vote. It would be a lot easier if we were in Australia where voting is compulsory. But here and what we've actually seen is there's a lot of movement in and out of the electorate from one election to the other, more than I think people realized in the past. So uh, we rely on a number of different things. We have two main questions we ask in the survey to get at it. One is we ask a basic question of how likely are you to vote in this election? We have a second question that says, how motivated are you to vote on a zero to 10 scale? We pay attention to those questions closely. And then we also look at previous elections and what the variance has been and try to keep an eye on all of those things to measure it. Um, So we have a whole bunch of every time I do a survey, I look at what the electorate looked like in 2020 and 2016 and 2012. I'm looking at uh, midterm elections. I'm looking at changes in voting registration. I'm paying attention to all of that along with the questions that we ask in the, in the survey. One thing that's, so there obviously there is what we in polling call a social desirability effect, which is people over-report socially desirable behaviors. One of those is voting. So if you, if you only look at it on an individual level, you have to be careful. But if you look at it on a broader level and say, are Democrats or Republicans telling us they're more motivated in this election? That ten, t- does tend to have, um, causal relationship to what's happening in the election. In 2022, for example, prior to the Dobbs decision, every single survey I did in every single state, Republicans were telling us they were more motivated than Democrats were telling us. That changed after Dobbs and started to become much more even, and we also started to see variations across states. That ended up being fairly predictive in terms of which party had the turnout edge. So a lot of things to look at, a lot of uncertainty. And just one final question. Where do things stand now in your latest poll? Who's got it? Is there an edge? Who's got it? It's pretty even right now in most of the polls we've seen in terms of the 2020, November 2024, um, in terms of which party's motivated. So it's pretty, it's pretty closely divided. All right. We will leave it there. Mike Boshin, uh, principal at GBAO. Mike, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Great to be with you, Tom. And that's going to do it for this edition of RCP's Poll Position. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics. Thanks for watching.